Hello. Hello. Um, and welcome to another episode of Where's My Freaking Dressing Room, a podcast where we discuss the world of opera and what things are really like backstage. My name's Helen. And my name's Alex. And we're really excited today to be having the start of a special mini-series all about the Voice of Black Opera competition. And we're really, really excited today to be joined by the competition's founder, Vincent Osborne. Thank you for joining us, Vincent. It's fabulous to be here. Thank you. <laughs> I think let's get straight into it. From from our end, Vincent, we can see that you've had a hugely varied career. You've uh, worked in telecommunications. You've run one of the best bars in the world, which I think is a pretty, pretty great claim to have. And you've also done a lot of work in speech and drama. So could you tell us a bit about where opera fits into your life? Opera is a passion. Music's a passion. And I started music uh, from the age of about four piano lessons in St. Kitts. Then I came to England and brought up in Birmingham and uh, went off to piano lessons until I was about 18. So that's how I started music. But of course, in Birmingham as well, every year you had the tour of the Doylecart Opera Company. So I'm a bit of an expert on GNS. And uh, that's how I started in that sort of passion for music opera operetta and um but as my parents say it's a hobby yeah. are you a singer at all do you sing i did well i didn't want to sing because when i trained as an actor at the end time you saw black people was in some musical in the first one i auditioned for was hair can you believe it wow. anyway <laughs> but uh, it was very interesting and i thought no i don't want to do that i want to be a classical <laughs> and bit by bit, you realise you have to do a bit of everything if you want to keep uh, bread on the table. Yes, quite. I did musical theatre, and uh, I don't know how many number productions of Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcoat to sing the Calypso. And uh, yeah, you know, yeah, but of that course. was how it was. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then I got bored with it. I uh, performing, and I decided that I must create something for myself and I wrote a series well originally it was a one-off play I'd written then it sort of developed into a series and it became people say it was the first black soap mm-hmm. opera yeah, yeah. it was called brothers and brothers and sisters yeah. and that was very interesting I wrote it to be in it and I wasn't so <laughs> there you go and then I wrote a musical called it don't pinch your toe again i've always wanted to play dame yeah so i wrote a character for myself but again everybody else did it by me <laughs> but um it's, it's the it's life of a writer life. yeah quite <laughs> you know, it's uh it's, it's very strange but uh with the bars they came out again it was sort of frustration because we moved into brixton mm. And uh, having lived in Wardour Street, we were so accustomed to going everywhere and quite easily to eat and drink and so forth. Got to Brixton back in the day, which was sort of the uh, early 80s. There wasn't any bars or restaurants. And my wife said, oh, Vincent, why don't you open one? I said, well, I've never cooked. I've never ran a restaurant or worked in restaurants. And she said, well, you've eaten enough. You're always eating in restaurants and you always know what's wrong with them. Put it right and you'll be fine. And we did. And within six months, we won the bar of the year, the time out bar of the year, restaurants. I saw it's amazing. What an accolade. And if you had one opera to to be the soundtrack playing at the Brixtonian, would you, I mean, would you pick an opera? What could it possibly be? Well, interesting you should say that, because we had a rule. 
daytime, we only played classical music. In the afternoon, around about four o'clock, it was tea time music and a fabulous sort of uh, sort of 20s uh, orchestra, um, you know, those sort of mini orchestras and so forth, which was great. Palm Court Orchestra, I think they used to call those things. And we used to have live opera concerts in the bar. Oh, wow. That's how the, all the competition and everything came out of that and how we set up the charity. It was all because we, we used to support young black singers and uh, in return, they had to sing in the bar and they had to give uh, recitals and platform performances. So we've always had opera. And uh, but if I had to have one, I suppose I'm not sure which one would actually be the story. Maybe it's the opening of Rigoletto's Ooh, probably yeah, like. We know it well. <laughs> Great. The orgy. The orgy. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Yeah. <laughs> A good choice. Oh, fantastic. And Vincent, I mean, something on the podcast that we often talk to our listeners about is kind of what you've mentioned there, the the benefit of having many strings to your bow in, in doing lots of different things, because, you know, as you say, being in music, sometimes it can be hard to put the bread on the table. I was wondering, you know, from your experience, do you feel the various different things you've done in your career, do they, do you feel they feed into each other? Do they influence one another? Do you enjoy kind of working in this way? Yeah, but, but the strangest thing is only when you look back over your life, you can see where all the stepping stones have led to be to where you are now. I'm old, darling. But I would say when I was uh, when I was a sort of 18, 19, 20, trying to think that I was going to be a cost accountant, and only because I wanted to go to drama school when I was about 16. I was accepted, but my parents said they're not signing any papers <laughs> because they just because they and my mother turned around to me, can you uh, can you support a family as an actor. And I thought to myself, well, I've got no children, I'm not married, I've got no one in my life at 16, so why on earth are you saying this? Mm. And then she says, be an accountant. But she has always been a bookkeeper. She's always been in, as she would say, figures is her thing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and uh, I first thought that she thought I'd just do that as well. But I, so I sort of started on that. But then I joined the Air Force. But one good thing about the Air Force, it wasn't so much the job, but what it does teach you is self-discipline, which is vital for an actor, anyone in the performing arts, is about self-discipline, rely and learning to rely on yourself and find ways to bend the rule to get to where you need hmm, to get to. Quite. So I think, I, think, I think the Air Force taught me that. The the figures taught me how to balance mm, the books mm-hmm. and uh, and then drama school and so forth gave me the creative thinking and way of working uh, to actually run a restaurant because I used to say to my staff raise the curtain dim the lights raise the curtains dinner is served oh, lovely. it's all theatre <laughs> mile in the aisle that is what it's about and um, that's basically it and so I think all these stepping stones you don't see them Mm. I don't think you see them. It's only at some point when you have the time to look back and say, it's all been worthwhile and it was all meant to Mm. be. Yes, Mm -hmm. I like that very much. And you are the founder of the Black British Classical Foundation, um, which, you know, we're we're, we're very keen to talk about. So could you tell our listeners a little bit more about this organisation? Yeah. Well, basically, this now we are talking a few years back when we started back in the 80s. And... You never saw 
oh, Messi was poor again, best, more than two black folk on a stage yeah. in an opera house. Things have changed a bit now, but then it wasn't, and that's when we started. And the plan was only to be running for 10 years, pla- uh, creating platforms, and not only for the artists to perform, but it was a matter of trying to get people who can make decisions about these young people's lives to attend, to hear, and see what they can do to actually support and propel these young people's careers. So therefore, we're really also looking at the industry, Uh opera house managers, casting directors, and so forth, because that's where it starts, is, is is trying to find people who want to actually make sure their company is diverse, not because they just want to tick a box in order to get a grant from the Arts Council, but because they have a, a total understanding that equality is vital for everybody and every profession. And I think that, and so that was basically what drove me and that keeps the passion of going to try and actually make our society far more mm-hmm. equal and leveling up. <laughs> Yeah, that's our favourite <laughs> oh, word at the moment. <laughs> Leveling up, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. And out of the Black British Classical Foundation, you've you've started this incredible uh, competition, the Voice of Black Opera competition. And as we're speaking to you today, I think you were saying tomorrow you head into the to the heat. How, how are you feeling? Is there excitement in the air? Are you looking forward to things? Yes, I am really excited about uh, the start. I just wish we could have actually start next mm. week. <laughs> you know, yes. it will be like another week. But then, of course, come next week, I'd be saying another week. <laughs> you always want more time. But nevertheless, it is what it is. And tomorrow we begin the, the search to decide on the five. I just say, praise God, that I have no decision making <laughs> in that. Uh, they've all got fabulous voices it's exciting i mean yeah i was i was looking i mean it will be be a tough decision for Mm. for any jury i think what was the impetus initially to set up this competition oh the competition was really about finding a way to to present high and high quality voices in the same room and every two years and so we have time to grow the talent but also to make sure we can actually get a really important set of people to come to listen to judge and also to support these artists going forward and we've done that this year with the wonderful inclusion and support of two fantastic organizations the Welsh National Opera and also the very exciting element, which is the Birmingham Contemporary Music Group, who've commissioned the winners to receive a song cycle written for them. So I, that is going to be wonderful. And it's a bit of a nice legacy, isn't it? Yeah, that we can say, oh, yeah. here it is, there's that. <laughs> so, so I'm really excited by that. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I think I, I would be curious... You know, you you started the Black British Classical Foundation in the 80s and you, you were just saying that you only imagined it running for, for 10 years, but obviously you've you've kept on and you've, you've pushed this organisation further and further. Do you feel 
you're seeing the change that you want to see. Uh, I, I would love to know more from your perspective. Yeah, there is a change coming, that wonderful song. <laughs> but there, there is a change. And I think more and more often, you when you go to the opera houses now, there is more diversity Absolutely. on the stage. Mm-hmm. And the, the sad thing about it, they're not permanent members of the company. They're sort of often called extra calls. Mm-hmm. Now, I would like us to get to the point where we don't have that dreaded word, extra you're there because you're good enough to be there. And because of your colour, we want the chorus, the permanent chorus, to reflect the nation. And I think that is what it should be. I often say should actually, the chorus and the opera companies should be so much in in this sort of diversity, like the average football team of Great Britain. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. why not? And if we can have that, then we begin. There are only going to be a few who are going to rise and uh, and sort of the creme de la creme, who are going to be so lowest and so forth. And that's acceptable. But we need to make sure the body of the company is diverse and they're permanent. It also means that we should be able to attract more of a diverse audience, that kids and young people and older folk will come and say, oh yeah, great, there's people who look like us out there. And I too can actually join the uh, this company or come and see it. And a career, I can see a career path that I can yeah. be part, I can get a job. And I can go forward. At one point in time, we had no black folk doing football. Yes. Now it's totally different. I can say the, the, the big push now is to get more Asian uh, players within football team. But, you know, so that's basically it. I'm not waiting for that. I'm actually pushing for black and South Asians to be actually involved from day one. And I think it's vitally mm-hmm. important. And I guess, you know, with the pandemic and everything coming out of that and the recent, you know, fun Arts Council funding uh, announcement and everything. Um, yeah, all I, the world of opera here in the UK can feel rather uncertain, let's say, at the moment. So do you have any advice for young singers striving to pursue opera as a career right now? What what little tidbits could you give us all, please? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that I'm in a position to give you a tip, but all I can say to people is follow your dreams. Do not give up. You have to have tenacity. And I, Lord knows, I know what tenacity mm. is. I get to say, you, you really have to. And there's lots of people out there who, who are very negative, a lot of smiling assassins. But you have to know within you that you have something to offer and you're not going to give up. You may have to find something as a day job uh, to continue while you fight for what you really want. But I think the vital thing is to to know yourself, believe in yourself, and actually just continue the fight. I actually think I'm going to cry. Yeah, I know. It <laughs> just feels very hard to do that sometimes. I was like, yeah, sometimes it's just nice to hear someone say it as well. You're like, yes, I, w- yeah. I will fight for it. I, I can, yeah. It's, it's not easy. I, I said a competition the other day. It was a very interesting competition. I thought it was quite tough to do the heats and the finals on the same day. But because uh, we, we, we've got a week between semi-finalists chosen and the actual uh final gives you time to prepare doesn't it you know that makes yes, sense it does. sorry i feel really very strongly about that no no it's too much it's too much and, and more than anything else is the ment the mental process it's exhausting mentally and yeah. 
Yeah, this is it. So no, I don't do that to my people. They are more than, they've already got (laughs) enough challenges without that. Absolutely. (laughs) And I suppose we'd love to know equally, you know, your your hopes for for our industry, for opera, you know, say in the next 10 years time, what is it you'd love to kind of see in our industry? I would love to see companies really diverse in all elements of it. Because, again, you can't just put black people on a stage and uh, you're not in major, in major productions. You, they, there has to be some uh, understanding as to who and where and so forth. And I think that comes from direction. And I think this is the important thing as well, is that we can't just think about opera world of just the singer, but it's in all branches. We need directors. We are coming through with conductors now. Uh, The other night I was at the ROH and they had the most wonderful production of Bohem with uh, a conductor, a man of colour. It was wonderful and the orchestra was superb. But uh, I think more and more we need to see black directors or, you know, colourful, make the place more colourful, design and all these things. All branches should be be catered for and should be opened up. And people just need to have an honest conversation. That's one thing I found difficult. I went, there was this symposium, all the opera companies met, and the final part of the day was to discuss diversity in opera and how can we get more people of colour to be involved. It was thrown to the floor. Only one person answered, a little bright spark, said, get more black ushers. And I thought to myself, my dear, how will that get more black people on stage? <laughs> you know, uh, I was furious in the response, furious with the, uh, the chair because he never pushed or ask, how will that work? What do you mean by that? That was never a thing. It was just left there. Everybody sort of just sat there. No one said anything. They probably looked at me and I thought, you've got a long time before I answer anything, girls, <laughs> because I felt it was important that they answered mm. that. And that was, a, that was a big disappointment yeah, I can imagine. of that day for me. Because, Again, a lot of, of recently, I think, as well. I think everyone is trying to be diverse, trying to do things. But the question is, why are they trying to do it? Mm-hmm. Is this all to do with, uh, is it all to do with the Arts Council exactly. and so forth? You know, so that's in 10 years' time. I hope things will be far more diverse. I also would love to be able to have, my, have our own opera company building. I would love to, us to have a fabulous building, not just for opera, but there's some fantastic black dance companies Great. around, ballet, black, and others like that. So therefore, we can actually have a theatre or a building, yeah. a building that can house the the arts for black uh, performers. And you won't have to say it's black eyed or it's no. black bohem. Everyone who comes into that building is going to be different. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be mm, brilliant, of course. Yeah, and that right. is, is is what I would like to see him and make it very urban. Mm. Quite, yeah. I was gonna. I wondered if maybe you'd set it up in uh, in Birmingham or something. You know, I mean, I'm from Coventry, so I love. I've got a very fond spot. Uh, okay, but no, 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 dear. We'll stick to major places. <laughs> <laughs> How rude! How terribly rude of you. <laughs> 
<laughs> and, and I guess, well, is that perhaps that's a dream, obviously, in say ten years' time or something, as you say. Is there anything? Is there what? What's next for you creatively? Is there anything in the pipeline that you can give us a sneak peek of, maybe? Or my dear, well. The competition, uh, the Vobos, is for professional singers. We have a competition that starts next year, spring, and it's called the Prelude. And that is for young singers between the ages of 18 and to 25, who've never really had the real formal mm -hmm. training, but they feel they've got a voice. They would like to explore whether classical uh, career is for them. And we've teamed up with our wonderful partners, the Royal Birmingham Conservatoire. Mm -hmm. Oh, fantastic. And the winner gets a year's scholarship, everything paid for. All they've got to do is explore their voice, listen and learn. Wow. That is amazing. That is That sounds incredible. Fabulous. So, yeah. that, so that's our competition next year. And then, I don't know if you know, but Croydon might. Uh, 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 that Croydon. I do, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Croydon is, is, is the butter of culture. Mm. Yes, next. yes. And uh, we are working on a piece. Well, it's the Messiah reimagined. And I don't know if you know this wonderful set of piece of music. It's uh, Quincy Jones. It's called... Uh, Joyful Celebration. It's Handel's Messiah, but it's in jazz and all sorts of different influences. Yes, yes. And it's and the aim is to marry the two. Some of some bits of his and some bits of the original. Oh, wow. And then twice pull the whole thing together with fabulous dance. Wow. So that's great. That's our, that's, our, that's our biggie biggie <laughs> thing for next year. <laughs> And the composition. Oh, Tiny things then. You, you heard know, it no, nothing, yeah, nothing too yeah. stressful. <laughs> Do you know, I find small things just as ruddy, uh, difficult and uh, stressful. You know, might as well go no, for the big, big Go big, one, absolutely. <laughs> and Vincent, where can people find you if they'd love to know a little more about you? Is there a website perhaps they can, they can check out? Yes, there is uh, our website, which is... Uh, BBCF, bravo, bravo, Charlie Foxtrot. <laughs> I love that. It's the Air Force. Dot, <laughs> my dear, dot UK. And that is us. So it's www.bbcf.uk. And I am Vincent Osborne. And we'd be delighted to speak to you at any time. <laughs> Perfectly rehearsed. There we go. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Oh, dear. Well, Vincent, I mean, thank you so much for joining us. We know that everything is quite busy for you with the competition, so we're really grateful mm, that you've been mm. able to give us some of your time. We're looking forward to speaking to uh, some of the finalists uh, next week to hear about how they're feeling in terms of the competition. And we're looking forward to to seeing who the, the great winner is. Indeed, I'm, uh, yes. I'm very excited yeah. indeed. Well, if you happen to be free on the 5th of December, it would be a delight to actually have you in the auditorium. I would love to be there. So do let me know and I'll send you some VIP We will tickets. be in touch, It'll be a good yes. Party. Thank you Great. so much. Yes. Always yeah, up for a VIP ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.